Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also, I have a regular column called An Agent's Take at CBSSports.com. This week's episode, we are going to look at Earl Thomas's impending grievance against the Baltimore Ravens and also teams that probably should do a contract extension because they have multiple core players who will have expiring contracts. Uh, Let's start with Earl Thomas. On Sunday, Earl Thomas was released by the Baltimore Ravens. The beginning of the end started on Friday when he had a a physical altercation on the field over missed assignment with fellow safety Chuck Clark. Uh, He was sent home from practice and told not to show up uh, on Saturday. To kind of plead his case, Thomas posted a video of the play that led to uh, the scuffle on Instagram explaining his side of the incident. Um, He deleted it. It's since been deleted because he's probably not supposed to put stuff from practice up on uh, for public consumption. Um, He was released on Sunday when the Ravens had a carefully worded statement where the words personal conduct that adversely affected the Baltimore Ravens was the reason giving for terminating um, Thomas's contract. Thomas had signed a four-year, $55 million contract um, in 2019 free agency that had $32 million of guarantees. Um, $20 million of those guarantees were in a signing bonus, his 2019 base salary and his $10 million base salary in 2020 were both guaranteed for skill, injury, and salary cap upon signing. In terms of the NFL, that's considered fully guaranteed. What everyone was thinking was that the Ravens, had suspended uh, Thomas for conduct detrimental. Formally went to the step to suspend him of that, but they didn't. Um, Typically in NFL contracts, there's a laundry list of reasons why guarantees would void. And the standard reasons are if you withhold your services, refuse to play or practice or report to the team, then if you're suspended under a league policy, whether that's the personal conduct policy, the performance-enhancing drugs policy, or the substance abuse policy, and also uh, for conduct detrimental by the team of the league, the guarantees will void. Um, some teams have other conditions in there where you might be suspended for a fine under one of the one of the policies. Uh, you could also be suspended um, if you uh, make disparaging remarks, um, which against your team, which undermined the public's confidence in the team is kind of what some of the verbiage says in there. And also, if you engage in conduct reasonably judged by the team to adversely reflect on the organization. Now, uh, the Ravens don't have that second part of the language, uh, what I just talked about. They just have the first part where if he's suspended by a policy or refused to hold services. So, they informally um, suspend him for for uh, conduct detrimental. Now, the reason that they uh, carefully worded or used that phrasing in his release is under paragraph 11 of your NFL contract, you can 
they're trying to invalidate his $10 million base salary using this paragraph because that outlines circumstances for uh, termination. And that heading in that particular paragraph is skill, performance, and conduct is what it, what it says in that, in that particular heading. Now, within that particular heading, the exact phrasing that the Ravens, the Ravens used to terminate uh, Thomas is in there. So they're really trying to bypass the skill injury and cap guarantees and go through what's kind of considered maybe a, a loophole to invalidate the $10 million. Now, also, when you release someone, uh, there's a notice of termination box that the team gives a player, a notice of, ter- notice of termination sheet that they give the player, and there are five different boxes you can check. And the things are, one, one of the boxes says uh, failure to maintain satisfactory physical condition. Two, there's another box for failure to, to make a disclosure of a physical or mental condition when you take your, your, your physical. The other is basically lack of skill. Another is for personal conduct. And the other is for salary cap purposes. Now, under the personal conduct box, that language mirrors what the Ravens put out in their statement for releasing him. So that's all to kind of set up that... We are invalidating the guarantee uh, because your personal conduct, not because they voided the uh, guarantee in the contract, the skill injury and cap guarantees. They just went outside of that to find another way to try to get out of the contract. Now, what's going to happen is, because this is highly unusual, you typically don't see a team try to invalidate a guarantee or, or a payment that they have an obligation to make going this manner using the paragraph 11. Um, so what you're going to have, and Earl Thomas has 50 days on the CBA uh, to file a grievance, uh, which he would do with the help or through the NFLPA, to enforce the $10 million in guarantees. And I expect this to be something the NFLPA really puts all their weight behind for one reason. They don't necessarily have to agree with Earl Thomas or what he's did or allegedly did or didn't do, but they don't want teams to try to get out of obligations for payment under the guise of personal conduct when it's really because of skill or the salary cap. So they want to nip that in the bud and put up a lot of resistance and roadblocks so other owners don't think they can try to do this. Now, there are going to be some cap implications for this because right now um, with the Ravens taking this route, the $10 million, uh comes off the books for now. Uh, he was counting $15 million against the cap. That $10 million comes off. Now, once the grievance is filed um, under the CBA, that 40% of the disputed amount will count on the cap. So that means the Ravens have $4 million come back onto the cap once the grievance is filed. So they're picking up for temporarily 10 million in cap space, they'll net out 6 million while the grievance is pending. There's going to be a cap charge next year, regardless of the outcome of the grievance, because Thomas had the $20 million signing bonus on the four-year deal. That's prorated 5 million per year on the cap. So there's 2021 and 2022 signing bonus proration left in the deal. So the Ravens are going to have a $10 million cap charge in 2021, regardless. Now, now grievances typically don't happen overnight. The NFLPA and the NFL have the right to have four expedited, aggrie- expedited grievances each year. 
I don't know if this is one they would use for the expedited ones where they get fast-tracked and they're done um, sooner rather than later. This is probably going to have the usual timing uh, where if it gets done this year, it's going to be late in the season. This will probably happen in 2021, um, the grievance. Who's going to prevail? Depends on what an arbitrator files uh, finds um, uh, persuasive. The Ravens would have a stronger case if there's a documented pattern of unacceptable behavior by Thomas where he was either previously fined or given warnings uh, for his conduct. Uh, that Having that paper trail will be useful for them. And Thomas having the... the uh, uh, had a heated argument last last season with uh, nose tackle Brandon Williams because Williams didn't suit up for a game and Thomas took issue that that was against the Browns um, early last season and that almost became physical. Um, there were reports that Thomas was fined uh, last year on several occasions for being late or missing meetings and that he was starting to re- start having that occur this year as well. So you know one thing that the Ravens are going to use against Thomas <laughs> is put posting that video. So they're going to use that against them as well. Sometimes you have settlements reached. Instead of letting um, a grievance go to a hearing with an arbitrator. And that's what happened with the Ravens with uh, Ray Rice. And the reason you reach a settlement is both sides are afraid of getting an unfavorable decision. And, and this is, dates back to when Ray Rice was released in 2014 because of the domestic violence against his wife, which was discovered um, when he was, uh, the video from him being in Atlantic City at a casino where he punched his wife. Um, in that case, the settle, the he was released 2014, filed a grievance, and in 2015, the, the two sides reached a settlement for a little under $1.6 million when he had a, the disputed amount was a little over three five. So we'll see how this thing goes, uh, but the Ravens would have had another avenue to, to uh, try to get out of the $10 million payment with that extra language that some teams have, some don't. In, in, with the guarantee voiding for, for the ability to avoid guarantees. Ravens don't have it, so they have to go this route, which is an unusual route, paragraph 11. Uh, you don't see too many uh, teams try to invalidate uh, payments based on the personal conduct provision in paragraph 11 NFL standard player contract. But uh, this will go off the radar screen. Nobody's going to be thinking about the grievance. The more, more immediate concern is where is Earl Thomas going to sign and where is he going to play? Um, how much is he going to sign a contract for? Now, what that's going to do is, since the guarantee has offsets, the, anything he signs um, for for another team, the Ravens will get to credit that against the $10 million should they lose. That's what the off get, offset will do. It reduces the amount of money they're going to owe. Now, if Thomas prevails in the in the uh, grievance, it'll be that $6 million, uh, will come will be a cap charge for the Ravens minus whatever he signs for. That'll that'll uh, mitigate it a little bit. And if the Ravens get a favorable decision, then that's going to result in a $4 million cap credit uh, because the $4 million that's been counting on the books while the grievance is pending would, would be the reason for it. So the more important thing now for Earl Thomas is to find a place to play football and the grievance will be a blip on the radar screen and probably won't hit anybody's consciousness Um, again, until later in the year or early next year. It's time to look at some teams that might be best served by doing um, a contract extension of at least one player because they've got multiple players 
in contract years, um, and you can only designate one player as a franchise or transition player. We've seen that teams are starting to do extensions now that there's clarity on the 2021 salary cap. That worst case scenario, there's a cap floor of 175 million right after the NFL and NFLPA agreed to uh, what the situation is going to be next year. That's when the Chargers made uh, Joey Bosa the highest-paid non-quarterback in NFL history. Uh, Bosa signed a deal with a five-year, $135 million extension, averaging $27 million per year, highest-paid non-quarterback, replacing Miles Garrett, who was at $25 million per year, $102 million overall guarantee, $78 million fully guaranteed at signing. Chargers still have a little bit of work to do. Um, They've kind of rectified the uh, Melvin Ingram situation. He clearly... um, May have been happy for Bosa, but wasn't happy that his situation had been addressed. He's in a contract year. He's making $14 million this year. He was kind of, he was holding in, not practicing. Um, he they guaranteed his $14 million. Hunter Henry, they can't do anything about. Um, he's playing under a franchise tag this year of $10.607 million. Um, since it's past July 15th, as a franchise player, he can't do a long-term deal until the end of the regular season on January 3rd. Henry's patience is going to pay off. Um, the tight end market has moved dramatically since he was franchised. First, you had Austin Hooper just in the, at the beginning of free agency in March sign the first tight end deal, multi-year contract, over $10 million per year, $10.5 million. But the real jump came uh, a couple of weeks ago when George Kittle uh, signed for $15 million a year and Travis Kelsey at $14,312,500 per year on a deal which just had, quite frankly, a lousy structure for, for Kelsey. But that being said, that type of jump, Hunter Henry's going to get, should get significantly more than Austin Hooper, uh, provided he stays healthy, um, which has been his big issue throughout his career. The guy that the uh, Chargers really should have their sights set on is Keenan Allen, who is also in a contract year uh, to get done. Yeah, obviously they could franchise him, but... Set a career high last year, 104 uh, receptions in 2019. He didn't like his ranking in the NFL Network's top 100 players. He was 77. But he, he if he signs an extension, it, it's going to put him in the upper uh, tier salary-wise of uh, receivers. Just going to add from a worst-case scenario, um, if you look at the contracts of the top 10 wide receivers, 10 highest paid, they average nearly $18 million per year. With 32.5 million fully guaranteed at signing, 49.25 million of, of overall guarantees right around there, average contract length four years, so that's got to be a floor for him. The Buccaneers are in win now mode after signing 43-year-old Tom Brady uh, to a two-year, 50 million dollar fully guaranteed contract. It's got incentives which could take it up to 59 million. Um, they can't do anything with um, uh, Shaq Barrett, their edge rusher, who led the NFL with 19 and a half sacks last year. But they got a couple other players. They need to get at least one of these two guys done, I think. Uh, Chris Godwin, wide receiver, breakout year in 2019. Uh, missed the final two games of the regular season. Still had 86 catches, 113, over 1,300 receiving yards, nine touchdowns. Named his first Pro Bowl. Um, and also uh, the underrated... Levante David, uh, this guy's like the Rodney Dangerfield 
of uh, off-ball linebackers. Most under underappreciated guy. Never goes to the Pro Bowl. Three-down linebacker for them. In the final year of a uh, five-year extension, averaging a shade over $10 million per year he signed in 2015. The going rate for off-ball linebackers is 13 to $15 million per year. You've got Bobby Wagner, um, who's gonna, eventually going to be in Canton, who signed last year averaging $18 million per year. Um, David's 30, so he, he's not going to get Bobby Wagner money. Quan Alexander, former teammate of his, who tore his ACL in the contract year, went to the Niners in 2019 free agency for $13.5 million per year. Um, so David, someone that they want to keep, should want to keep, but Godwin, uh, he's going to be up there, um, one of the highest paid wide receivers. He's going to be making more than Mike Evans. Mike Evans signed a five-year extension in 2018, averaging $16.5 million per year with um, $55 million in guarantees. That is now a two-year-old deal. So Godwin will be the highest paid wide receiver on, on the Buccaneers um, if a deal's done. The Saints are also a very interesting ball club just because they've got multiple players in contract years, but they've got one of the most challenging salary cap situations. Um, the Saints have been notorious for kicking the can down the road by doing these contract restructures, pushing today's cap obligations into tomorrow. That's all well and good when the cap keeps going up, but the cap being at $175 million floor um, is probably going to be higher than that when it's ultimately figured out but dropping it all even if it remained flat at 198.2 they're in trouble because they've got 260 million of cap commitments for next year and right now they they have a little under 7.7 million of cap room you can carry that over and that's going to decrease once you have all players counting against the cap instead of the top 51 on, on September 10th. So you got 260 million in cap commitments. Even if the cap gets to 198, good luck with that. But um, they've already started negotiations with Alvin Kamara, running back, who was the 2017 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's never been their workhorse back. He was in a timeshare of Mark Ingram. Um, even when Ingram was suspended for four games um, in his final year um, with the Saints, they still kept Kamara on a pitch count. Last year they bought in, they brought in Latavius Murray in free agency to um, help shoulder the help him shoulder the load. And Kamara last year was slowed by uh, ankle and knee problems, had an MCL sprain among among other things, missed two games, team didn't miss a beat without him. He, he wasn't his usual self last year, so that's not actually the best time to be trying to sign a contract. But Kamara is one of your best dual, bet, dual, dual threat running backs in the league, so he's probably going to get one of those upper echelon contracts. Won't be at Christian McCaffrey's level, $16 million per year, but should be more than the uh, $12.5 million per year that Derrick Henry signed. The two other, so if they can get him out of the way, then maybe... Or if they don't, you can franchise him because the running back tag number is going to drop significantly to, I think, around 8.3 if you have a $175 million salary cap. It's $10.278 million right now. Demario Davis, who's played his best football since he joined um, the Saints in, in 2018. 
he's a little bit older guy as well. He's um, last year's name first team All Pro um, by the Associated Press. So he's on a three-year deal, averaging um, eight million per year. I mean, um, so uh, I mean he's 31 right now, so that's that's gonna limit him. And Marcus Williams, free safety, great ball hawk, has a, occasionally gives up a, a big play or two, but last year he was. Uh, Tied for fifth among NFL safeties with four interceptions. Uh, great range. Uh, we saw Buda Baker become the highest paid safety earlier this week at um, $14.75 million per year from the Cardinals. So minimum $14 million per year because you got that's a bunch of safeties. If uh, if he has the, a career year, maybe he's top top paid safety in the league, the first $15 million uh, per year guy to get there. Cardinals... Got one guy out of the way. Uh, Patrick Peterson is in a contract year. And Kenyon Drake, the running back that they traded for and, and allowed them to ship uh, David Johnson off to Houston to bring in DeAndre Hopkins. Um, transition player. The same limitation for not being able to sign a franchise player long term doesn't exist for a transition player. There isn't that prohibition until the end of the regular season so theoretically they could sign him um, uh, to an extension before the end of the regular season Peterson older cornerback was the highest paid guy coming off of a year where he served a six game um, suspension under under a drug policy so maybe they take a wait and see approach with both those guys because Drake in Miami wasn't nearly as productive as he was in Arizona but ultimately they want to get one of those guys done Cincinnati, um, they've got Joe Mixon and A.J. Green, who's playing on a contract year, and it's playing on a franchise tag in contract years. Uh, Nixon's really the pri- Mixon is really the priority. If A.J. Green, you let him play it out, you can't do anything, but hopefully he stays healthy and then you decide what to do with him. Um, Mixon, uh, it's kind of like Dalvin Cook in Minnesota, looking for a new deal, um, and... I'd say Derrick Henry is his floor. That $12.5 million per year uh, is, is probably the most he could ever get on a deal. Two straight years, he's rushed for over, over 1,100 yards. You also have the Packers. Um, they've gotten Kenny Clark done. Um, he recently signed a four-year $70 million extension, $17.5 million per year. That should open things up for David Bakhtiari, the their offensive tackle, who's obviously, who's arguably the best um, pass blocking um, left tackle for a franchise tag. Um, he's going to reap the benefit of Laramie Tunsil's deal. Tunsil worked with an advisor, didn't have an agent, dramatically reset the uh, tackle market at $22 million per year in April. Previously, that mark was right tackle Lane Johnson, who signed a four-year extension with the Eagles during the middle of last season at $18 million per year. So maybe Bakhtiari comes in between those two numbers, between $18 million and $22 per year. But they also have a couple of other guys who have um, expiring contracts. Um, cornerback Kevin King, who's got great size, long guy, 6'3", 200 pounds. He could do very well in free agency. He has a, a little more consistency, puts that all together. A tall corner with good size, you can play press coverage. Thinking of Byron Jones, he was at 16, re, kind of reset the uh, market at 16.5 million per year um, in free agency. And Aaron Jones, the running back, they've already uh, got designs on his replacement. There's going to be a flood of running backs next year, but there's no really immediacy. 
to do anything with Jones. The Rams have two guys who were in contract years, Jalen Ramsey and Cooper Cup, uh, the receiver. Um, well, Ramsey, <laughs> that should be their priority. He's in a contract year. He's playing on his uh, uh, fifth-year option uh, this year, which is a little over $13 million, I believe. Um, they gave him a ton of leverage because they, didn't get, they did not get a deal done last year when they acquired him in the middle of the season. They gave up two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick. Then they go out and release Todd Gurley. Without him playing a year, new year on the four-year extension, they did a couple of years ago. And they traded Brandon Cooks to the Texans. So you've, giving him, you've given him more leverage through those other moves as well. He already had a ton of it to begin with. Um, Ramsey's also somebody who isn't stressed for a new deal. He's not putting pressure on his agent. He's, he's told his agent... You handle it how you see fit, and when it gets done, you know, it gets close, you let me know. That gives the agent, that's an agent's dream, to be in a situation like that. I'd be pushing to become the first $20 million per year cornerback. Now, with Cooper Cup, they've got another interesting dynamic at wide receiver. that Robert Woods is highly productive, but signed a five-year deal, I think, in 2018, Averaging $6.8 million per year. It's either 17 or 18. I forget the exact year. But they adjusted it where they uh, gave him a modest bump, but still doesn't reflect how productive he is on the field. So he's got years to go on his contract. But uh, Cup tore his ACL in 2018. Last year he bounced back from it, led the Rams, in receptions, receiving yards and touchdowns, set career highs with 94 receptions, 1,161 receiving yards, and 10 touchdown catches. He says he wants to stay um, in L.A. That extension they gave Brandon Cooks in 2018 is probably going to be an important data point uh, for Cup. Five-year extension, $81 million, um, worth up to $84.5 million through escalators. So that average is $16.2 million per year, had nearly 50.5 million in overall guarantees. The Ravens need to, they can't do anything with Matthew Judon, another franchise player, the edge rusher. So that means their attention should squarely turn to left tackle Ronnie Stanley. The Ravens could not have been happy with what the Texans did with Laramie Tunsil uh, because that only raises the bar for him from the standpoint that they were both drafted the same year in 2016, um, seven picks apart. Uh, Stanley went before him as the number six pick. Both went to the Pro Bowl for the first time last year. Stanley also earned first-team All-Pro honors. If he's looking to try to model Tunsil's deal, get a very short-term extension, three years, the Ravens typically don't do extensions of just three years. That's short with their high-end players. They did one with Marcus Peters right before the end of the regular season. I still can't figure out why he signed that deal when the regular season was coming to an end and free agency was coming in March. Um, I think he left money on the table by doing that. Um, Gave them a discount, but he got the shorter-term deal, but um, he had to sacrifice his average yearly salary. It would not surprise me if um, Stanley became the highest paid um, offensive lineman, but it's probably going to be on an extension longer than three years if he does it. 
And the Steelers also have a unique dilemma. They don't do contract extensions in the regular season. Their GM, um, Kevin Colbert, was lamenting about how uh, the next year is problematic for doing extensions. Well, it's not problematic for some other teams. They're not in the same cap situation as the Saints um, who are negotiating with uh, Camara, but they've got Cameron Hayward, Alejandro Villanueva, their left tackle, who's up. Bud Dupree, uh, franchise player, can't do anything with him, playing on the one-year um, tender. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster in a contract year, and James Conner. The one that makes the most sense to try to get done is Hayward. And Hayward's a guy that can play the run really well and also get to the quarterback. That's a rare commodity from an interior defensive lineman, a guy who can do both of those things well. Past three years, Hayward has 29 sacks, had nine last year. So he averaged, he's averaging nine sacks a year. So you pay guys who can rush the passer. Clark came in at $17.5 million, younger guy, but wasn't first-team All-Pro last year, wasn't a pro bowler, at least on the initial ballot. So... $17.5 million is his floor. Um, if I'm Hayward's agent, I'm looking more like the Chris Jones neighborhood. I want to be in the $20 million per year pass rusher club. And one thing that the Clark deal does, it provides a template in terms of structure because Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Green Bay are teams where the only guaranteed money is a signing bonus. They have these uh, March roster bonuses in the second and third year, which aren't technically guaranteed but are supposed to serve as a substitute for guarantees, but they can still exit the deal, and you don't get any money if they cut you before the roster bonus is due. Clark had a $25 million, has a $25 million signing bonus in his deal, so he's going to have a big signing bonus um, to go to go along with it um, for his deal. Uh, so you can see that kind of being, being the template. And Hayward is scheduled to make $9.5 million. So you've got room to work with him to lower his cap number um, just to keep the cap number the same you could have a signing bonus up to 42.25 million if you extend the contract at least four years by lowering his base salary to his league minimum 1.05 million uh, so you probably would pick up cap room this year in order to if you did a deal um, with Hayward um, Smith Schuster's the the, uh, the most interesting other guy for the Steelers he uh, was injured last year and we didn't get a chance to see whether he could be a number one receiver uh, without um, the presence of Antonio Brown because when he had his, his breakout year in 2018, it was with um, Antonio Brown on the other side. He caught 111 passes for over 1,400 yards in 2018, but without Brown attracting attention, and he was injured last year, Played 12 games, was slowed by injuries, 42 receptions, 552 yards. Is he a one, number one receiver, or is he a two? So there's not enough information for you to do, at least there's not enough information for me, if I'm his agent, to do a deal right now because you can't get anything more than number two receiver money, which would put you in the $11 million per year range. Now, if you can prove that you are a number one receiver, then that jumps you dramatically, and you're looking at probably a minimum of 15, 16 million per year. Big difference uh, between the two. So, 
patience is his friend. Um, Steelers, clock is ticking. Regular seat, first regular season games, um, two weeks from Sunday. I mean, um, so we are in crunch time. So if they want to get something done with Cameron Hayward, uh, they they better do it quickly. We know Bud Dupree probably isn't going to get franchised next year because next year they got to pay T.J. Watt, who is going to be in that $20 million per year pass rushing club. And Dupree will probably be in free agency. But anyway, that's a look at um, probably should uh, look to extend somebody because of the way the their contracts are and who is going to expire. Thank you guys for listening. Um, that wraps up this this week's episode of Inside the Cap. You can find me um, on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C O R R Y J O E L, and also my regular agents take column at CBSSports.com. Um, we'll see you back here next week. Goodbye.